Super Talk Mississippi media production. He's the former president and publisher of the Sun-Herald, and now he's on the radio. Welcome to Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome to Coast View, the show that every single day uh, celebrates the men and women who are making Coast of Mississippi such a great place to live, work, and play. Hey, listen, I want to I want to thank my friend Clay Wagner for joining me for the full hour yesterday. Clay ran for the fourth district. Uh, for a congressman here and uh, wasn't able to get into the runoff. But here's a business guy who served a, a great career at Hancock Bank and made a decision as he was retired from Hancock Bank to run for office. And it was a terrific conversation. You know, this is not a political show, so I w- this is not the kind of show where I would have interviewed the candidates prior to that election. Uh, I don't want this show to be about that. It's more about celebrating leaders in coastal Mississippi. So I thought sort of retrospectively having a conversation with Clay about the reasons why he ran for office and what he learned about the process. It was just a fascinating conversation. So if you missed it, you can go to your favorite podcast or go to the Super Talk Mississippi YouTube page or the Super Talk Gulf Coast Facebook page and watch my conversation with Clay uh, Wagner. Okay. I get this service every every morning. I, I don't think that they come every single day. Maybe it's every other day. Maybe it's just as they get these books and evaluate books. But the name of the, the service is Thinkers, T-H-N-K-R, T-H, excuse me, T-H-I-N-K-R. And uh, what they do is they give you key insights from a book, and then you have the ability to sort of uh, click and go deeper and get the get the digital version or or whatever you choose to do. But it's a great way to kind of stay up on a wide range of subjects. And I got one this morning that I felt like really applied to my guest today. So we'll come to my guest shortly. But the name of the book was Mastery, Mastery by Robert Greene. And I just want to read to you one quick little segment here on the review. And uh, then I'm going to turn to my guest because I think in a lot of ways it describes his unique talents in life. And here's what it said. Deep within each of us is our truest calling, our life's tasks, It's deep and primal and has been with us since we were very young. It fades as we get older and then flashes in and out of our lives. It fades, ultimately, ultimately it will fade away if we don't pursue it. But for those who do pursue it, it becomes increasingly clearer. For those who ignore to suppress it, it grows fainter. Your life's task is a call to some kind of action. There's something that each of us has to do And only we can do it. Discovering that something is not an optional extracurricular. It's the central preoccupation in life. This is the true self, the deepest part of of us begging for expression in the world around us. It's not something that is arrived at through rational speculation. It's a gut-level urge beyond words. And then it goes on from there. I thought that'd be a great way to to, to sort of uh, have a conversation with my friend Josh Morgan, the top hurricane chaser in the world, because he has a mission and his occupation and his life's mission is so unique. And we he's been a regular here on Coast View, and we haven't had him because in a while because it's been an inactive hurricane season. But uh, without any further ado, let me welcome my friend Josh Morgan back to Coast View. How you doing, my friend? Ricky, it's awesome to be back. It feels like it feels like it's been a really, really long time, huh? Yeah. 
Hey, we're going to get into that. It's been a very unusual season. People should not draw any conclusions on this season based on the way it started because it could still end with a bang. And as we've discussed so many times, all it takes is one. But, you know, hey, listen, man, you you talk about this internal urge to discover what our self-expression is going to be in life. Uh, You really went after yours with a vengeance, didn't you? Yeah, you know those that quote you read from that book. Wow, man, that that really spoke to me. That really, really resonated. Uh, I, I feel like that just totally captures, you know, how I how I look at life and and what I think is a fulfilling life, which is you just got to go for that thing that you're obsessed with, the thing that you think about. Obsessed with in a good way. I mean, just yeah. the thing that you're just drives you that you're passionate about that you think about when you wake up in the morning that you think about before you go to bed that you think about just you know when you're driving down the street you know i i I really i I, that resonated for me and here's the deal not everyone is able to or or does that you know who who just just kind of just takes that thing that they're really really into and just goes for it and uh you know and that's definitely you know, I've designed my life to do that. You know, of course, for me, it's storm chasing, hurricane chasing, uh, and I've and I've kind of made that front and central and just gone for it. Uh, one of the words that the the quote used that jumped out at me specifically it was primal, and 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 that really it captures it for me. You know, when people ask me, you know, when you know when did you develop interest in storm chasing? Was it you know was it something that just developed or or was sort of um, you know, grew over time. No, uh, you know, as long as I can remember, you know, even when I was just like a three-year-old, you know, just having some reaction to violent weather, you know, when the thunder would clap or the wind would start to blow and the house would shake, I would just, just have a reaction to that. And, and that, that was from as early as I can remember. It's just something about my brain wiring and my life has just been about, okay, kind of going with that and, and, you know, hunting hurricanes for me. One last thing I'll say is that, uh, just sorry, there's just so much in that quote that I responded to. One other thing I want to say is I think that it hit on the um, the whole idea of specialization. Of, of, of I believe everyone in this world has that one thing that's theirs, you know, and it, and, and it could be a very narrow niche, you know. <laughs> you know, it could be a very, very specific thing. But I very much believe in that. You know, and for me as a storm chaser, you know, most storm chasers are pretty uh, versatile. You know, they... They go after hurricanes, tornadoes, blizzards, you name it, you know, floods in the Southwest. People always ask me, hey, do you do anything but hurricanes? And I'm always like, nope, I'm, I'm, I'm very happy with my very narrow specialization and just drilling into that and being the best at that only. I'm a big believer in specialization. I feel like that's how you, that's how you excel. That's how you differentiate. That's how you, that's how you become number one at something, I think. It definitely is the way you become a number one at something. For people who have not heard Josh and, and me talk before, you can learn learn more about him by going to YouTube and looking up iCyclone or Instagram or Twitter or any any you know Facebook, of course. 
you can learn more about him. Josh, it's interesting as I as I studied you over the years and as we've become friends because you chose to live in Bay St. Louis during the season, during the pandemic, and now this may sort of be well, it may may not sort of be, it will be your permanent uh, sort of headquarters for hurricane chasing from this point forward because you're going to be building a house there, and we'll come back to that in a second. But what's interesting, I'm a I'm a weather nerd. I spend time on the tropical weather blogs, and even just this morning, someone posted, it, you know, it's it, you when you say something on Twitter. The, the tropical community, the nerds in the tropical community always are interested in it. And they'll, they'll always post your latest, you know, whatever it is you said. And uh, the one that they posted today was about the, the naked swirl, you know, and what you had to say about that. Oh, no. <laughs> but but it's uh it's it's it, you're extremely relevant relevant and it because you've picked this like really targeted area that you found your mission in life um, you've gotten really good at it. Again, you're the top ch- chaser, hurricane chaser in the world. And what people should know too that you are now sort of the, one of the resident experts on Weather Nation that people can have access on cable. You have a new reality show. We'll talk about that here in just a second. But you had, you know, you've had hit reality uh, shows before called Hurricane Man. People can look that up and 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 see more about that as well. I love that your current gig at Weather Nation has been. Getting Giving you the opportunity to do, you know, from the ground assessments of various things. In most cases, it's the hurricane season from Bay St. Louis. So you're putting Bay St. Louis on this international map now. And uh, we knew that was going to be the case, but it's pretty cool to have that opportunity, isn't it? Yeah, totally. And, uh, you know, I, I'm very excited. You know, I, I really, as you know, I, I started living in coastal Mississippi during the pandemic and I really fell in love with, well, really all of coastal Mississippi. I I, I totally dig it. Uh, I, I love each town and I'm not just saying that to be polite. I really do. And I like how they're all so different, you know, like, you know, I live in Bay St. Louis. You drive across the bridge to pass Christiane and it's just like a totally different flavor. Then you get to Long Beach and that's a different flavor and so on. Uh, but of course, I really fell in love with Bay St. Louis, and it's been cool to kind of connect that with my TV work. You know, I, when, I, when I was talking with Weather Nation about the season, and we were talking about, okay, what kinds of reporting am I going to do? We wanted to expand my role with the channel <clears throat> and go beyond me just reporting on the ground in hurricanes. And I said, hey, listen, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm living right in the heart of the USA's hurricane country. And that's how I always describe Bay St. Louis. And it really is. And maybe some residents maybe don't appreciate that description, but that's what it is. And uh, reporting every week from there um, or or storytelling from there or, or looking back at history from various points of town, weaving that into hurricane history you know it gives it gives an authenticity you know we're trying to do something different than oh you know we're just headquartered in some big city and we'll we'll just sort of pop into into a town that's threatened this is like kind of from on the ground from the front row as season's going on i think it gives the kind of i think gives the reporting more authenticity we're going to talk more about that actually here on the other side but we're having a conversation with josh morgerman the top hurricane chaser in the world and when we get back on the other side we'll continue the conversation see you after this or on demand and watch episodes of Coast View on your laptop, desktop, or on your phone or tablet by going to supertalkmsgulfcoast.com. 
His love for the coast is why he's here. It's Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back to Coast View. We're catching up with my friend Josh Morgan, who on under normal circumstances, we'd probably be checking in with on a regular basis because... Uh, we've been dealing with very active hurricane seasons, but because there's been a mix of dry air and and um, you know upper level winds that have not been conducive to to, to hurricanes in the in the main development region of the of the Atlantic and in addition to Saharan dust, we've just been it's been a quiet season. But as experts continue to tell us, we uh, should not drop our guard by no means, and we'll talk more about that here in just a second. But you know, Josh, again, coming back to Weather Nation, for people who are who are streaming, and I've said this before, but just so that people will have a better sense of it, you can actually uh, you can download the app on your phone or da- download it on your uh, download it on your TV station as well. I noticed, by the way, on the Samsung Samsung, if you have a Samsung TV, you have actually access to this digital these digital channels, and one of the channels is Weather Nation, actually. So, you know, you can get it a bunch of different ways. I don't think the Weather Channel, Weather Channel has a cable sort of relationship, and their app is not very, it's not very conducive. Uh, what what you can do with the Weather Nation app is actually get live TV and live reports and also local weather and all that stuff. I found it to be incredible, and uh, it's a very significant entrepreneurial effort as you and I have discussed in the past. But it's uh, it's rival. It's a good rival to to to. Uh, uh, the Weather Channel, and then on top of that, it, you know, in the streaming world, it becomes the best choice that we've got today uh, on on a national and international basis. So it's uh, it's been fun to be associated with them, hasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's a great place to be involved with. I mean, one, I love how available it is. Like you said, that it's just so easy to stream from any device, including your connected TV. But as I mentioned in the past, the the sort of I don't want to call it corporate culture, but the kind of the culture of the organization is very. You know, it, it, it's always had this kind of startup feel, and I mean that in a good way. I just pitch them ideas; they're always interested. Uh, we come up with new ideas for new kinds of segments, new kinds of content, and then boom, three days later, that new series or 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 sort of format, it's on TV, and we're experimenting with it, and we're showing it, and then we're tweaking it, and it's, it's great. It's just a place where I, I feel like I get to really be creative in terms of the kind of content that I can that I can sort of bring live, the kind of storytelling I can do, and, I, and they, they just they give me that room, and I'm really into it. Well, uh, for, again, for people who have not heard us before, you actually have an ad agency called Symbolage, and you guys specialize in in branding. And I've always thought that it was really interesting that you did that professionally, and that you chased what what was really a hobby for a long period of time, but then it became sort of a second job for you. And now, obviously, it is a significant second job for you. But the way that sort of your branding world and your branding expertise and the work that you've done and honed over the many years, how that sort of, you know, combines with your hurricane chasing and in the way that you've mastered social media and all that, it's really, you know, your your real life job, which is now, you know, you could say you have two real life jobs now, but your real life job has really enabled your hurricane chasing side and, and allowed, coming back to what we said at the very beginning of the show, has allowed you to really hone your life's passion in ways you maybe wouldn't have been able to do it had you not had social media and YouTube, et cetera. Absolutely. I, I- 
the, the synergies, you know, I have two careers, like you said, and the, and, and I'm passionate about the other one, by the way, you know, the, the sort of my, my role is like a, a brand consultant uh, is I'm passionate about that as well. It's not just like a day job or, oh, I've got to do that. Um, if I was independently wealthy, I would still be a brand consultant because it's, it's intellectually really stimulating work. But uh, yes, absolutely. One of my favorite subjects is me <laughs> in terms of as a brand consultant. I do work on my brand a lot. I think about it a lot. You know, one of the keys to brand, I always tell clients is, you know, number one is, you know, your special sauce. What makes you different than everyone else? You know, if I'm looking at, you know, if I'm in the grocery store and I'm looking at the the, the shelf and it's got, you know, 30 different brands of coffee, why am I going to pick brand X? What makes it stand out? What makes it different from all the other coffee brands? And that rule, finding that differentiator, the special sauce, that applies to any kind of brand and it applies to storm chasers. You know, I think that any kind of personality uh, out there needs to have their own voice, their own vibe, their own look, their own unique take on things. And that's why people are going to follow you. And I've thought about that a lot as I kind of developed, you know, myself as a storm chaser, because here's the deal. You can't just t- chase the storms only. If you want to excel, if you want to make a mark, it's not just about being a good storm chaser. Of course, that's the most important thing, being able to penetrate, get into the centers of, of you know, violent storms around the world. There's there's that. Of course, you got to do that. If you, if you can't do that, you're not in the game. But even once you do that, it's like, okay, how do you communicate that? How do you, how do you tell those stories? How do you bring that to people, to an audience who's interested? How do you make it exciting for them? That's all part of it. You also have a new TV series on, on Weather Spy. And uh, it's terrific, by the way. And I, I wondered when you first one came out, I said, okay, which is it going to be, Haiyan or Dorian? And you picked Haiyan in the Philippines. We'll talk about that in a second. But how's it? what's the response been? The response has been great. I'm very excited. This is my big new TV project, or, or in terms of not in terms of live TV, but in terms of what we call long-form TV. Yeah, it's a new series called, as you said, it's called Mission Hurricane. And as you said, it's on Weather Spy. We shot the pilot in May, and uh, that premiered a couple of weeks ago. And uh, the response has been awesome. And I'm going back to L.A. in a couple of weeks, unless there's hurricanes, of course. You know, chasing always comes first. But Assuming there aren't any hurricanes, I'm going back to shoot 10 episodes, 10 new episodes in a week, which is going to be total hell. <laughs> that's going to be a really rough week of shooting, but that's uh, that's how the network has it scheduled. So you got to just go in and do it. And, uh, you know, it's I'm excited about it. Uh, the show, by the way is um, I'm, I'm looking back at my past sort of greatest adventures, whether it was in the Philippines, in the United States, in Mexico, in the Bahamas, wherever. It's like it's sort of looking back at like kind of my greatest adventures, bringing the viewer through those most of the time very harrowing experiences. And it's a, it's an awesome show. Uh, and in terms of the what the premiere, uh, the pilot episode was going to be about, it was not my decision. Uh, you know, I, of course, I, I proposed, I, I, I proposed, uh, you know, various, you know, great hurricanes, great chases. But in the end, it was a network decision. They went with high end, which I was totally cool with, uh, you know, but there were some other contenders there. And uh, anyway, those those uh, those other storms will be covered in other episodes. So so no stones, no stone will be left unturned. What's what's interesting, I, I can actually break it down a little bit for you, and it'll be interesting to what went into their calculus about that, but 
Do, okay, when you think of Chase and you think of Josh Morgan, you, you think about here's a guy that could land in some obscure rural area of, Me- of Mexico and somehow with not the best you know, the road systems, et cetera, et cetera, somehow find himself along this like way out in the middle of nowhere stretch of highway in the middle of an eye and uh, and a storm and i think if you think about philippines this the 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 philippines deal man it it was probably be up there in the top one or two in terms of just you know getting to the philippines and getting to the right place in the philippines and that that really intricate part of the chase not the actual experience of the storm but in that case the experience of the storm was incredible high end and what you had to do to help rescue you know people in that neighborhood etc but it was just getting there dorian you know not so not so complicated to get to you know you 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 find yourself in marsh harbor uh, but in terms of the actual experience of the storm, one of the most harrowing, you may never have an experience like that again, where a category five storm stalls on top of you. I mean, so they each have their characteristics, don't they? Absolutely. Every chase is unique in its own way. But what the, the skill aspect of what separates the men from the boys is, is getting to that very random dot on the map somewhere on the globe in time and getting to the right dot, the ground zero, where the core of the storm is going to hit uh, so that, you know, to, 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 to get the good data to, to be able to document what happens, to tell the story, to get that out to the outside world. And, uh, and definitely those East Asia chases are, are some of the most challenging from that point of view. You know, one, you have to get somewhere that's literally on the other side of the earth, like 7,000 miles away. And then also, you know, with a lot of these countries, especially the Philippines and also Japan, it involves once you get there, you got to kind of hop around from island to island to, to get to the right one. So, yeah, you know, high end was one of those chases that involved. There was just a lot of intricate sort of maneuvering to get into place in time. And then, of course, what happened was, you know, a cataclysmic, you know, and it was it was a privilege to be there. I, you know, I, I one to be able to help people and two just to 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 document what was an historical event and get the story out. You know, the world needed to see what happened there, because when the world sees those pictures and hears those stories, that's when the help comes in. Well, in the case of uh, Haiyan, it was certainly high wind was the story, but big time storm surge, which we're no stranger to here in coastal Mississippi. In the case of Dorian, it was a wind, big time wind deal. And certainly there were storm surges as well. But again, they all have their own uh, personalities. We know that from being here in coastal Mississippi. We know that all too well, unfortunately. But um, when we come back, we're going to continue the conversation with Josh Morgan, the top hurricane chaser in the world. Get his take on the season so far. And, uh, you know, what's it looking like as we start to unwind the rest of the season? I think it's going to be pretty active myself, but we'll we'll see what, what Josh's view on that is. We'll see you after this break. Subscribe for free to the Coast View Podcast on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. He's the former president and publisher of the Sun-Herald, and now he's on the radio. Welcome to Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. 
Welcome back to Coast View. Come on, admit it. Admit it. You're a weather nerd. Most people listening to this show, they know more about tropical weather than they care to admit. They know the they know the European model and the and the GFS and they know about the icon and they know about global and I mean come on now you you know exactly what I'm talking about because everyone's an expert now and that that actually makes your work as being the top hurricane chaser in the world Josh even more interesting really because people are really engaged around some of the intricacies of hurricanes these days aren't they. Oh, yeah. I mean, and bringing it back to Mississippi, this is why this is one of the reasons I like living in coastal Mississippi is because, you know, everyone here is kind of a hurricane nerd, you know, whether it's my, you know, realtor or the guy who cuts my hair or whoever. Like, everyone here is like looking at those models and, you know, uh, you know, has an interesting memory of a storm or their or their dad or their grandma was, you know, in Camille or, you know, just Hurricane Camille, like whatever it is, you know, this the coast is just full of like hurricane nerds. And so whoever I'm with. Wherever I am, there's always something to talk about, which is really cool. And it's not the case, you know, in Southern California, you know, people know their environments and and Southern Californians literally don't know the difference between a tornado and a hurricane. And I'm not kidding. There's just like, there's no awareness. They just have no idea. Now it's, it's not to fault Southern Californians. You get into a discussion of earthquakes there and then people nerd out and they can talk about P waves and S waves and all the nerdy stuff about earthquakes. But when it comes to hurricanes, they're clueless. So from that point of view, living in coastal Mississippi is kind of like, I feel like less of a weirdo in a way. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there's no, there's no doubt. I have, I have uh, really, really crystal clear memories of Camille, which we recently, you know, you can't say celebrate, but observed the, the anniversary of Camille. And then of course, more recently observed the, uh, the anniversary of Katrina. Everyone listening to this show knows, again, all too well that history and what we've come back from. But what I was, um, what I was um, amazed by what you wrote about it, and and I should should point out that you recently wrote uh, sort of a. <laughs> It was an observant of Katrina, but but it was more more really a nod to coastal Mississippi that we really signed up for build back bigger and better. And you wrote about that as an observer who comes in from the outside, and you said it was a phoenix rising from the ashes. It was so extraordinarily well said. But you know we like to think we've done a good job rebuilding from the worst natural disaster in American history. But as an observer coming in from the outside, has been all over the world. You're able to very clearly make a statement like we're a phoenix rising from the ashes and mean it from the from the bottom of your soul didn't you absolutely it it blows me away uh, especially now i mean coastal mississippi is absolutely booming you know uh you know i think that the tourism ads recently they're saying something like the secret coast or something like that and i actually you know as an advertising guy i think it's a great slogan and it's totally i think it really captures how i see coastal mississippi because if i mention it to people in california they're like oh is it, is it really they're surprised when i talk about how awesome it is because people don't know about it and in a way i'm like maybe i shouldn't talk about it because i kind of want to keep it like my secret but it's definitely you know it's the coast is awesome you know it's great quality of life it's it's uh you know it's a good cost of living it's beautiful it's just a good lifestyle and uh and and now you know 17 years after katrina 
it really is booming. I mean, there's just, you know, there, there's just like kind of there's just building everywhere. And there's like this sense of optimism. I talked to the the dude who who manages the house that I rent. You know, I'm building my own house, but the last few years I've been renting a house. And he says, you know, every cottage that he manages up and down the, the, uh, the coast is booked a year out because it's like people want to be here. So uh, there definitely is a feeling of a phoenix rising from the ashes. And then particularly Bay St. Louis, you know, I mean, all the communities. But, you know, I look at the pictures of downtown Bay St. Louis right after Katrina and you look at it now and it's 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 amazing. What's cool is that it's recognizable. The bones, the, the, all the kind of the city. One of the things that I'm really into about Bay St. Louis is it's it's got a very strong uh, sense of history. You know, there's just there's a historical buildings in the downtown, and there's a you know the the, the trees have like plaques on them because they're old. I think that's in other part, parts of the coast as well. But there's this sort of reverence for history. And, and a lot of those historical buildings and stuff have survived all these storms, you know, Camille, Katrina, et cetera. And, and the, this sort of the new stuff that's come up is, is sort of sensitive to the old stuff. It all works together. And there is this, just this incredible, there's like a, it's like a rebirth. Well, after Hurricane Katrina, we had um, um, a, 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 a several day event that was charrettes where we brought architects and planners from all over, all around the world, including the Prince of Wales Foundation. And Andreas Juani, the famed architect from Miami, the father of new urbanism, sort of oversaw it. And he's the one who was able to attract all these architects and planners from around the world. And one of the things he said, he's Cuban descent, and uh, so he has a slight accent. And one of the things, he, I remember so clearly he said, he said, if you have a column left, rebuild it. And he, he was just so focused on not losing the historical perspective. And one of the things they did for each of the communities, you now they gave plans to the communities, they could act on them or not act on them. It was, it was sort of completely up to the citizens of those communities. But one of the things they did is they captured for each city, in a book for each city, what the unique ac- ar- ar- historic architectural you know, uh, characteristics were of that community with demonstrations showing pictures and unbelievable tools they could use so they could make sure that in the rebuilding effort, what they're rebuilding looked similar to what was there before. And man, just some, you know, that's interesting that we went to that level of discussion five weeks after the storm. And it, I mean, think about the vision that was, that was involved and created an effort like that so that people could have, we knew people were still recovering. Some people still just worried about getting water. And here we were focused on trying to figure out how we could rebuild in a way that was, that would be, uh, you know, that would be recognizable. You know, that was really important to us then. And you see it in Bay St. Louis. Yeah, that blows my mind that, that you guys were having that conversation five yeah. weeks after. Wow. Wow. Yeah, yeah. That's actually a lot earlier than I would have expected because I would have expected at that time it was just about essential services and survival and nothing else. After I had, to, I had the opportunity month. to, because I was a volunteer in the Governor's Commission and led the tourism recovery effort, and I worked with my friend Chuck Benvenuti, who, Benvenuti, who's a community leader over in Hancock, uh, um, Hancock uh, County. And we had a uh, a public meeting actually at one of the one of the churches there, that was essentially an open air pavilion. It was you know it was completely gutted, but had a roof, and so we had a, an open air 
community meeting there, the first, first public meeting, and we showed a video of the governor's commission, and we showed all the stuff, and it was really interesting because the community, I can't remember exactly how long after the, the storm, but within a, within a couple of months, and um, and they you know they were still just trying to undig from from the debris. They they couldn't even begin to get their head around the kind of heady stuff that we were talking about. And afterwards, this woman hung around. Afterwards, I may have told you the story before, but she just wanted to talk to me. And she saw saw me. I was a volunteer. You know, I was helping. We were doing a debriefing after the meeting, and she hung around and she said she wanted to see me. She she thought that I was in charge. I wasn't. I was just there helping as a volunteer. But she said she just wanted to make sure that whatever we put in that governor's commission book made sure that we preposition buses next time so that people who don't have cars or can't afford to put gas in their cars can get out that too many of her friends died because they couldn't they didn't couldn't afford to get out wow. that's all she wanted to say to me wow. and we were there to, to share that's it profoundly impacted me by the way the importance of I felt like democracy is most viable after a bad event like that when you're engaging the public people are going to be at different levels of their recovery but the governor believed this, that you could not rebuild until you recover, and you could not renew until you started to rebuild. And, and, and that's why we call it the Governor's Commission on Renewal, Rebuilding, excuse me, Recovery, Rebuilding, and Renewal. He, he, we said that's too long. He said, no, we're going to name it that because we want all three of those terms in there as a constant mm-hmm. reminder that you have to do all three of those to have a chance, uh, as you pointed out, of being, an, uh, uh, you know, being a, a phoenix that rises from the ashes. And he just said, it would keep our focus on rebuilding back bigger and better than ever. He said it all over and over and over again, always. And um, anyway, so many incredible experiences. It's hard to believe it's been 17 years ago. Yeah, no, it blows my mind. And, you know, I was talking to one person from Bay St. Louis, a longtime resident, and he said he, you know, and this might be a controversial viewpoint, and I'm not saying I agree with it or disagree with it, but a, a longtime resident said to me he felt that in some ways, I mean, again, this might be controversial, but he said it, he thought it was the best thing that ever happened to Bay St. Louis because he said what it is now is so much more than what it was before the hurricane. And I, I that was an interesting observation. You know, like I said, I, I'm not taking a stand on that but i was like hmm that was that was thought provoking well what's interesting governor barber said this oftentimes a, a yin yang symbol that symbolizes uh, a disaster and opportunity in the Chinese, you know, Chinese symbol, they're the same symbol. And so I think, you know, here's the point. You can't do anything about the fact that Hurricane Katrina hit. So, right. So if you're going to put anything in perspective, it's simply the point that it hit. Now let's make the best of it. And and if, if we can if we can get back to rebuilt and renewed and we can look back and say Katrina did deliver an opportunity for us, if you can look at it that way, to me, that's a positive frame of mind, the person. It's saying that I don't see that as controversial at all. It's just accepting reality and saying we're going to make the best of it. And a lot of people did. When we come back from the final segment with Josh Morgan, we're going to talk about what's in store and his thoughts about the rest of this hurricane season. We'll see you after this break. You can also listen live to Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1 on your Amazon Alexa devices. Once you've enabled the skill, just say Alexa. Open Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast. This is Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back to Coast View. We have my friend Josh Morgan, who has a new series called Mission Hurricane. 
on WeatherSpy. You can actually uh, download the WeatherSpy uh, app on your phone or your your television to have access to his show. It's terrific. Really well done. I was deeply impressed and enjoyed. Can't, can't wait to continue to watch the series as it unfolds. Um, he's doing his live uh, uh, sort of remotes from Bay St. Louis for, for Weather Nation. And uh, because you hadn't been, ch- you know, chasing hurricanes this year, for the most part, you um, you have been uh, in a situation where you can do a lot more reporting from Bay St. Louis. And that's been good for us, hasn't it? Well, I hope so. Like I said, maybe I always feel like I'm giving away my little secret, you know, my town that I've fallen in love with. Maybe I don't want maybe I don't want to tell everyone about it. But uh, yeah, I do. I do report a lot from basic Louis because it is so, in my opinion, it's so it's so relevant to just, you know, two of the greatest hurricanes in American history. Ground Zero was Bay St. Louis or around that area, you know, Camille and Katrina, and then just, you know, it being centrally located on the Gulf Coast, you know, from Brownsville, Texas to, you know, Key West, Florida, the, the midpoint is basically, you know, it's coastal Mississippi. So I feel like I'm really in the heart of things here and in a front row seat, just looking out at the Gulf every day, waiting to see what's going to happen. Well, you and I have talked about this before. The conditions in the Gulf are scary. You still got above average temps there. You've had light wind shear f- for a lot of the season. The seed, the seed just hasn't been planted in the Gulf. But if, if it if it happens, certainly my biggest concern is a low rider comes in from the main development region into the Caribbean. And then, as a well-formed storm gets into the uh, gets into the Gulf of Mexico, that's kind of a scary scenario. And it's still very possible, isn't it, buddy? Just because it's been slow up to this point doesn't mean we won't see a super hyperactive second half of the season. Yeah, you just never know. You know, the last couple of seasons, well, especially last year, was a very front-loaded season. We had a lot of activity early. And then if you remember, we we had, you know, of course, Ida was the big headliner, you know, in Louisiana, but very much affected coastal Mississippi. Then we had that little hurricane in Texas. uh, Nicholas was its name. And that was in early September. And then it just died. Then there was just nothing the rest of the year. So it was really interesting. So this year could be the reverse. It could be it could be a backloaded year uh, or, or just, you know, what might be a quiet year. Folks have I've noticed in general, just in general, talking to people on Twitter and, you know, casual weather followers, folks basically have a, basically like a five or 10 year memory. Whatever's happened in the last five or 10 years becomes what folks think is normal. And so since we've had we've had the U.S. has had five devastating hurricane seasons in a row, big seasons, lots of landfalls, lots of intense landfalls. And so folks have gotten it in their minds that that is what is normal and then someone said to me, you know, they, they asked me um, on Twitter, I think it was yesterday, is it possible that the U.S. might go this year without a hurricane? And I'm like, not only is it possible, it happens all the time. You know, 2015, 2013, 2009, 2001, 2000, the, the U.S. often goes a whole season without a hurricane. It's not at all unusual. And this could be one of those years. And listen, that would be great news for, for Gulf Coast residents. I mean, we, we've had a quite the cluster you know starting in 2017 it's just it's been a rough stretch for americans and hurricanes well we've had you know it's interesting um uh the seeds the tropical waves coming off of africa it's not like they haven't been you know coming into the into the main development region but unfortunately no or fortunately for us um you know it's just been a it's been a tough environment for them 
Um, but the, all that stuff's supposed to be settling down now, so we shall see, huh, buddy? Yeah, I mean, there's so many ingredients, and then there's also the whole thing of stuff can form, but maybe it's just going to stay out to sea. You know, there, there are seasons like that where you can have a lot of stuff forming, but the steering currents just keep it all way out in the Atlantic. And you can have a season that's kind of quiet, but the few that do form, form right in the Gulf, meaning they're going to hit land. So there's just so many variables. I will say, you know, the physics of how and why hurricanes form or don't form, it's not a specialty of mine. Uh, you know, I stay in my lane. You know, I'm a hunting dog. I'm really good at hunting them down. In terms of the physics, you're going to have to talk to the smart guys for that. But it has been a little weird. I, I will add one other thing. I was having a conversation with a good friend of mine, a very well-known tropical scientist. This is like one of the top guys. Like, and I'm just, and I'm not naming him because I don't want to quote him when he, when I didn't get his consent. But he confessed to me. He said, "Man, I don't know what's going on." He said, "All, all the ingredients seem to be in place, and yet." <laughs> stuff's not happening and he's like yeah i'm really i'm i'm not understanding why not that's what he said well i mean you know the high temperatures the position of the highs you know i mean there's a there's a lot that goes with that but um but i you know i've watched because of you josh i've paid more attention to the uh, pacific side and uh recently you almost had a chance to go to cabo san lucas and uh, but you but you you wrote that the the further north those get the the more wimpy the storms get so you didn't you know, you didn't go maybe a younger Josh might have gone and tried to chase that one and you probably would have uh, not scored on that deal right bud. Yeah, I might not have had the wisdom to to sit it out. It looks like the worst of it's going to stay offshore or not come ashore until very far up the peninsula where the water's pretty cold. And that means not a very uh, sort of robust system. Well, listen, man, um, we'll catch up soon. Um, hopefully we're not talking about a specific storm. But if we are, I look forward to having that chat with you. Continue to represent coast of Mississippi well. You're doing such a good job at that. You've become sort of a, an ambassador for us. And not even from here, but you've become an ambassador for coast of Mississippi to the world. We really appreciate you being so able at that at that role. So thank you, my friend. And thank you for being so welcoming. It's always a, it's great to be back on the show. Thank you. You bet. It's been a pleasure. This has been Josh Morgan, the top hurricane chaser in the world. And we'll see you tomorrow. Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1 on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Super Talk MS Coast 103.1. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.